Thank you very much for coming. So, hey guys, this is G from The Idea. I'm a new dad, entrepreneur, and all-around regular guy who wants to see more empathy and compassion in the world. This podcast is essentially a series of conversational interviews I host with nominated everyday heroes to learn from them and see how we can spread compassion and empathy around the world. So my guest today, this wonderful young lady, is Sandy Coton, who is an entrepreneur and environmental activist from Only One Planet, hailing from Phoenix, Arizona. She has worked in advertising, interior design, and sourcing in Asia for nearly 20 years from Hong Kong, Singapore, and now Phnom Penh and has decided to stay and provide her expertise and efforts to reducing the impact of single-use plastic in Cambodia. Uh, she's been involved in many community initiatives from glass recycling to online directories for eco-friendly businesses in Cambodia and Vietnam to food donation drives such as the Eat to Donate initiative, which fed thousands of meals to marginalized communities by bringing the Phnom Penh food and beverage industry together. And through her company has replaced hundreds of thousands of plastic packaging with compostable, so not biodegradable, there is a difference, but compostable products in Cambodia. And her vision is a world with less waste, less damage to the environment, and less hassle. I've personally worked with her before, and I can say she's one hell of a force to work with, an entrepreneur with rock-solid resolve and a heart of gold. Thanks for taking the time to join the podcast, Sandy. How are you today? Thank you for having me, G. I'm great. Oh, very good. Cool. So to get right into it, I, I want to ask, have you always been involved with such progressive activities? No, I wouldn't say I have been. I've always kind of had a real social mind, but I've always been in more corporate, you know, profit generating kind of businesses, but always felt a bit of a distance, a bit of a problem with that. I would say the first time I really got involved in something like this was in Singapore when I was in the interior design industry. And what I was finding is that companies like me who source, we would provide low and loads and loads of samples to dozens of libraries for designers and the designers would go through and say okay we're cleaning and they would have just mounds and mounds of waste that ended up in the landfill so I was able to partner with a NGO there that basically produced wallets and trinkets and keychains and that kind of thing but they made it out of offcuts so I was able to all at all of my designers I would set them up with them so that they could come and select what they could reuse for their business it, it was autistic it was they they supported autistic kids in Singapore so it gave them a place to go and an occupation and an opportunity to earn money so it was that was my first thing and I thought yeah this is pretty cool and it gave right. me a so lot more satisfaction that, yeah I was gonna say but what's that jump though because you were in a much more corporate setting where there is very little nowadays it's slowly changing but like I'm, I'm interested in, in that jump because you you were in that corporate setting and and to get a sale because your, your customer's like, well, let me touch and feel all the things that I need to to make a decision on what material that I want for whatever it is that you're building. Like what made you do that? Not, it's not so much what made you do that jump because you realize there was a lot of waste, right? It's a lot of waste. And it was just, it was a whole industry. It was a whole lifestyle that didn't suit, that didn't match my value set. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the high end luxury where, you know, it's, yeah, I just, I, I think there's so much waste and so much excess in the world that yeah. just is needed and I didn't enjoy really playing in that field yeah do you remember the pivot point though or was it a gradual thing or was it one day you were just like you know what that's enough I'm not gonna like did you look for another supplier like was well, that your no, process I mean the, the the process in the the last business in Singapore was it was quite a lengthy one and we had 
basically had this big order that you know kept being changed, processed, handed over to new people, and we followed it for probably two or two and a half years. And in the end, we won the order, which was yeah, which was great. But that was sort of my aha moment because at that time when I saw that we had actually won it, I didn't have much of a reaction, much of an emotional reaction to it. So it's like, great. I mean, the, the emotional reaction that I did have was that we did it honestly and without playing some of the games that a lot of companies did to try to win these orders. So I was proud that we had won it totally above board. But as far as, you know, the whole beating the chest we won wasn't there. The the monetary thing was just like, yeah, okay. So that's what I kind of realized that I'm probably not doing what the thing that aligns with my values. And that's when I started looking. Ah, that's really interesting. So there, I mean, because there's an aspect of like doing the right thing and feeling good for doing the right thing, but also life or karma or something saying, hey, like, here's your reward, like some positive karma your way. Like, is, is that what the feeling was? No, it was just a feeling of alignment. Like, yeah, this feels right. Not reward, not anything. It was just, wow, you know, this, this is I did this and it made me feel good. And I want more of that. Mm, that's great. Now I'm just thinking if, if other people like would go through that anyway. So like when we're, when we're looking at these, when we're doing these podcasts, we're, we're interested in, in people's journeys. And mm -hmm. I wonder if other people feel that too, or if people do the right thing, but then don't feel that. And, and, but you are obviously, which is why you've continued doing it. And you're doing so much of it as, as well. Like a lot of CSR essentially under your company and you're not getting paid for this as well. So that, which is my next question, like how do you justify doing all this free work uh, that's of value? There's a clear expertise and skill sets because you're quite good at sourcing. You're very, very good at procurement and you use that skill set to, to help many businesses in your community. And you, you do a lot of that stuff for free. So with Eat to Donate, for example, a lot of these businesses, which were donating to hospitals and whatnot during COVID, we're going to be, or we're using styrofoam and you stepped in and you said, no, 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 just take this. Like, I'm not, I'm not charging you for it. Just use the compostable packaging instead. And that cost you money in the end. So I, I'm curious as to why you were doing that because your business had also taken a bit of a hit a little bit during COVID. Everybody's businesses took a hit and <laughs> yeah. you still were like, even though it's really tough, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna help. So how, like, what makes you do that? No, it just, we, yeah, I mean, the thing is we could deliver, you know, 300 meals to people who need it and that's great and that's fantastic. But, you know, it, it's only part of the story if it's delivered in styrofoam. The styrofoam isn't healthy for people. So we're delivering them meals, healthy meals that are laced with whatever is leached into their food from that nasty styrofoam. And it's going to be, you know, we're just helping build the garbage pile more and more. So, and there is no budget for it. So, you know, it's not going to kill me to donate a few thousand boxes, you know, it's not going to help me, but it's not going to kill me. And, and I always kind of look at it that way. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I can handle this. It's, I look at the bottom line. It's like, mm, if I can't, then maybe I'll ask for help from somebody to help me finance it. But, but for the most part, everything I've done so far, I've, I've kind of looked at it and went, yep, actually I can absorb that. You know, maybe I can't do this or this in the next few months, but that's okay. Yeah. Was there a hope that it would lead to better PR though? But although I, I have to say you didn't tell anybody about it. Like I know that your co-organizer, I know for a fact, your co-organizer for that initiative did not know 
that you were donating <laughs> thousands of boxes. And when they found out, they were like, no, we got to tell everybody about it. But you didn't seem to care. You were like, hey, it's a marketing gimmick or anything. But in the end, I think it, it did help you because, you know, press and all that came because you were doing all the good things. Like you were doing the right thing and it actually caught people's attention. And then, but you actually, I don't remember even reading that in the press, actually, that you, were, you had donated that. No, no that, that wasn't in the press. Because that's not the point. It's not the, it, the whole point was the program and feeding the people and getting support for the restaurants that were in the program. It wasn't about me. So I didn't try to make it about me. Wow. You see, you deserve to be on this podcast. You are an everyday hero. <laughs> that's, that's so cool. I, why? Like, it takes like a Facebook post to just say, hey, like, these things have been donated from Only One Planet, like all these thousands of boxes that were donated to, to restaurants to feed the, the COVID-19 frontline workers, you know, are donated by us. So we don't end up with more start. We don't end up with another disaster from this disaster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I've, I, never I know, been good at, yeah. I've never been good at tooting my own horn. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest about that. I mean, again, I think that if you want to do something, you do it because it's the right thing to do because it's, because it's going to help some in some way. And yeah, I mean, if people notice it, great, but that's not the point. I mean, I, I know, I mean, I, I've, 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 and I've been chastised by quite a number of marketing people about not being more vocal about all of the things that we do. And I'm trying to work on that to find a way that I can, <laughs> <laughs> I can get better at it. But, you know, when I'm working on a project, I do talk about it. Once it's done, it's kind of done. I would think that because there's one thought that I have is that when you see people who do toot their horn about it, though, I think you should and you definitely deserve to. But there are people who you see it all the time. And, I, and I'm afraid that it starts to look a little bit disingenuous because it keeps happening. There is there is one one particular restaurant of Phnom Penh that comes to mind that is constantly talking about it. And, I, and I, it makes me start to wonder if they really if they really do it or not. And, and how they go about it. But is that, I mean, for, for me as a consumer, I think that how they do their messaging is really important. And then I'm afraid that there is such a thing as too much, too much of that. Like, I don't know, what are your exactly. thoughts on that? Exactly, I, I mean, again, the whole point of my business is not because, you know, I want to buy an expensive bag and buy a, an expensive car and go on holidays. I mean, I've. I've had my traveling life. I've had a certain lifestyle and I don't need that anymore. I don't need any of that. I'm happy to have my little bicycle or my little electric bike to tutor out on. And that's enough. And where I live is enough. Where was I going with this? <laughs> um, it's okay. What was your question? Tell me again. My question was about the, what your thoughts were on organizations, not just businesses, but organizations who toot their horn a lot. And oh, at oh, what okay. point, do we like firstly what are your thoughts on that you know because i was saying that at some point for me anyway it just seems disingenuous like it's it, it seems to be I mean, their only gimmick and that you buy it from them because they're eco-friendly as opposed to their product or service actually helps you in your for your yeah, i mean I've, I've i've recently seen that you know it, I've, I've got to try to balance it in between the business side and the social side so i do have a product that i'm selling and that obviously i need to make a profit on so that I can do all this stuff I want to do and pay my employees and pay my rent and, you know, buy a container load of product. So I, you know, I do need to make a profit and there's that. And there's, 
the other side of, well, what I choose to do with my profits is my own business. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a fine balance in that I've recently kind of changed a couple of things to kind of reinforce the idea that we are not just selling you products. You know, we don't sell plastic. I will not, I will not sell anything that I don't know and I cannot confirm with my own eyes, with my own brain, that it is actually environmentally friendly. So no bioplastic, no kind of maybe, you know, if we squint your eyes, it might be good. Well, hold on. And, what, what do you mean bioplastic and, and why that tone? So is it, is it no good? Excuse me. Let me say this. There, I, I know there's a lot of new things happening. So I can't say 100% everything on the market right now. But a year ago, the stuff that was on the market was no good. I mean, it was being marketed as biodegradable, compostable, but only industrially. And there are no industrial composters in Cambodia. So when it actually gets out into the environment, it acts like normal plastic. And in some cases is even worse because it would break down into microplastics, which, you know, that's the stuff that gets into our waterways and our food sources. And so what, what I- would we expect to be made from bioplastic that, that we should watch out for? Well, it's generally called PLA or anything made out of like starches. Again, right now, the stuff that is being produced, mass produced, is more or less that. Now, I've seen that there have been some breakthroughs and the most, the easiest way I can explain it is there's plant-based material, which had to be kind of mixed with some amount of real oil-based plastic and then the polymer that binds it together. So they're making advances. Now I see things that are say 100% plant-based, which means whatever is binding it, now there is biopolymers. And that seems to be the thing that is changing the game, but it's still not really in mass production yet. I'm seeing okay. a little bit, and I've gotten some samples of the new bioplastics that are certified home compostable and they're sitting in my compost now so you know again once i see that they break down and not into microplastics then it's like yeah we'll go with it hmm. but everything i've seen so far the starch-based stuff that's being mass produced no i won't that, do it that sounds both worrying and but really hopeful at the same time that things are moving worrying because all this stuff that is being sold out there which is being called biodegradable is not actually biodegradable by what a consumer would expect because <laughs> so, well, it's like yeah it's biodegradable but like they've sort of twisted the meaning of it because yeah no it breaks down therefore biodegradable but you're saying not all of it it's only like 40 or 60 percent biodegradable and it's that leftover stuff still stays in the ecosystem for like a thousand years right exactly but in smaller pieces and that's the stuff that gets into the what? I mean, if I think you... that's so much worse because at least with a hundred percent plastic bag, you, you can <laughs> see it and you can take it out of the, the you exactly. can just get it and it's a hundred percent gone. But if a biodegradable bag is, is there, then it would just, it would split up and then it'll be so much harder to get out of the exactly. soil or a river. Is that exactly. right? Yeah. And if you read some of the studies now about how much, like if you go to a beach, the percentage of what is in a kilo of sand, how much is actually microplastics, it's frightening. Or how much you can just scoop out of the oceans. It's, it's crazy. So the microplastics are sort of like the most menacing thing of all. 
Yeah. Yeah. It seems that way. And, and is, is this the kind of content that you're putting in your course? Because you, we Some mentioned before that you're cooperating with uh, this volunteer group, Volunteer Nation, that has like 1,800 volunteers in Brampton. And you're teaching the youth of Cambodia about plastic because there's not enough education happening. Not like in Western countries where we're from, where in school you're blasted with, you know, not littering and se separating your trash and, and whatnot. And Cambodia doesn't so, have this as much. It's getting more and more. And I see a lot of people trying hard. But even in some of the formal training I've seen, I, I see them saying, oh, but use this product as an alternative. And I look at that product and I go, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. So it, I, would, I don't think it's well-researched, some of it. And again, to me, any part of messaging that should go out in Cambodia is not just about the problem of plastics or, you know, talking about the environment. I think we need to focus more on the health effects, which again, you know, the, if you watch my nerd night thing on greenwashing, I, I kind of went through all the ways that these companies kind of, they, they've learned, marketers have learned that biodegradable is a buzzword and biodegradable products are getting much more market share, counting to something like 60% of Unilever's growth. Yeah. But the thing is, there's two things I'd like to say about that. One is biodegradable. The word biodegradable, everything biodegrades. You, know, you, me, the car sitting out on the street, the concrete, it biodegrades. Everything biodegrades, given enough time, right? Mm -hmm. When they say biodegradable, a lot of them learned that, you know, biodegradable or degradable, but degradable means it breaks down. Biodegradable means it breaks down with the help of microorganisms. Oh, okay. Right. microorganisms but again everything either degrades or biodegrades given enough time what you it have sounds to do like is make potentially sure misrepresentation certified. there because they're they're not wrong in saying it's biodegradable so they slap that on the label exactly exactly or eco-friendly i mean there is no legal meaning in using the terms eco-friendly mm. there's just no legal there's no legal term there's no legal basis behind it. Any so someone can slap that on a bottle of bleach and be like, hey, this is yeah. eco-friendly. It's eco. And, and it's eco because we replaced the cap with something else, you know, and then they'll slap an ego label. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways that, that companies do this. And the, the other thing is the health. And to me, the biggest greenwashing that's happened lately or, you know, since I've become involved in this is the whole BPA-free thing. It drives me insane. Explain. Sorry, I just, I just want to mention before that you said that you did a nerd night thing. So a nerd night is uh, like a mini TED talk in a way where you go up on stage and you to a group in the community in Phnom Penh and you talk about what you want to talk about, what, what you're a nerd in, right? And so yeah. that, that was where you did that presentation. But, but coming back to the BPA thing, what, what is the problem with BPAs? BPA-free. You see all BPA of these free. things, kids' toys, any kind of plastic, food containers, water bottles, all say BPA-free. But it's absolute malarkey. Because what they did, I mean, BPA, there's, when you start looking into it, reading it up on it, there's so many chemicals that are being used in production of our stuff that are untested. Nobody knows. They've never been tested. And BPA was one of those. And then they found out that it had some bad things happening. So what they did is they replaced the BPA with BPS. BPS is, there's only one link in the polymer chain difference. It's almost exactly like BPA. It is also untested. So they just replaced it with something else that they don't know. And now they're finding out that BPS is actually, it might be worse than BPA. 
I, you know, and it takes years to do these studies and to get the stuff back, but I read one from November saying that they're finding that somehow BPS is a, it's, it's scary because it's very fast acting and it can affect your heart function if you get enough of it. Yeah, right. effects on the really brain, quickly. prostate glands of fetuses, infants, and children. That's right. I remember seeing this all over the news. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, the is... whole BPA free thing is uh, like, no, just don't use plastic. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's, it drives me crazy the way that this happens and the way that, I mean, people get really frustrated and, you know, they kind of give up because it's like, well, I don't know what to believe. And that's just wrong. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff online, and it's really hard to. And th this is, I think, the crux of the issue is that consumers are not very well rehearsed in things going around in the world. And this, I think, is this greater issue of how comfortable we are. Like the world is really, really becoming very developed, and we're no longer at a threat of. Like we have less poverty and we do, we have less poverty. A lot of countries that were yeah. in poverty before like China are no longer in that state. And so because of this, people, people don't find it necessary to learn about the world as much. They're more worried or concerned about getting the new iPhone or cell phone or whatever. And we see that because of this, they're not as informed about what's going on around them. And this is, and there's also just so much information that's coming. It's really hard to retain. I remember being upset about this. I just recall. And then I just, in this conversation, realized that I forgot about it. Yeah. And I'm just seeing here, they are testing, yeah, BPS, the, it's not finished yet. It, could, it hinders heart function, apparently, maybe, maybe. Yeah. They're still, you know, the research is still being done, but it's not promising. I mean, just the fact that there are these hypotheses there, people are worried about it, you know, and we're using it and we're not, <laughs> we're not asking enough questions. Exactly. And that's, I mean, and I see on Facebook, all of these companies coming on and saying biodegradable, eco-friendly. And I always just kind of go, okay, can you please just tell me about it? Because it was a new product that is really good. I want to know about it. And, yeah. you know, whether I can carry it or whether I can help support it, I'm happy to do that if it's real. But nine and, times and, out of 10, the people don't even know. They can't answer my questions. They don't Yeah. They don't have testing. They don't know what I'm asking. It sounds like there's a lack of accountability, but also just a lack of many things, professionalism, R&D, and whatnot. Before a product gets released, they're just so quick in wanting to turn profits that they forget yeah. to do their due diligence, you know, and everybody <laughs> else suffers for it. A good product will always it. have that. A good product will always have their due diligence. They will have their sort of... Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's what you're fake because you're you're at the other end of the stick, and I mean like the further deep end of that stick in Cambodia, where there is no, I think, consumer watchdog. There is no commerce commission, so to speak, which says that hey, you can't say these sort of things. There probably is, but that's only when someone brings it up, like in, in the right. sense that there's no active, proactive body that you see in some Western countries which look for these things, and the government will get around to fining you. You know, whereas here, like, well, not here, I'm in Europe, but like you're in Cambodia, and they could still at this current time pay their way out of that if that's my understanding is that right again, even even the commissions and the things that are set up uh the fda and the ftc and whatever i mean when i did this nerd night greenwashing thing i did a lot of research trying to find individual examples of products that were you know quite obviously you know bpa free was one but there was a huggies brand that came out and it was had green leaves all over it and a little baby on the front that was so happy to be wearing these eco-friendly diapers it was organic cotton it was this and it, you know but you know after eight years of selling this stuff they got it got taken off the market because they were sued 
but think about how many pro how much profit they made in the meantime. Yeah. I mean, what, what they found out is the organic cotton, the only cotton, they replaced a very tiny amount. And it was only amount on the exterior of the diapers so that it was softer feeling for the parents. It had nothing to do with the part that actually absorbed the pee and all of that. That was I mean, You know what that part. is? That just sounds like lies. Like that just sounds like a company <laughs> lying to the consumers. Because that's what it is. If you've sold something and you know that you want people to feel, think, and do a certain way, but the product yeah. doesn't do that. It doesn't flip and do you that. And people buy way. it because of it. It's you a lie. You can find a way to make it look better. There's a clean, uh, what is it? A green, there's a cleaner. I can't remember the name of it, but it's, I used to use it in the States. And it was a really good cleaner, but they came out with their eco brand. But somebody went and, you know, some consumer watchdog went and tested and said, but wait a minute, you're saying that it's no chemicals, it's all natural, whatever. But we found all these chemicals. And the company just kind of said, well, but we did our own independent testing and there were none. And they had no certifications. They had nothing other than the good housekeeping, which has nothing to do with anything. So, I mean, it happens over and over. But in the Western countries, I feel like it happens probably even more than it does here because oh, there wow. are such big numbers you know, the sales and the, the stakes are so much higher. So even if you do something that's pretty dishonest, you know, it's going to take years for it to work its way through the courts. Meanwhile, you've preyed on all of the ambitions of these people who want to purchase consciously and you've got the money in the bank. So yeah, okay, we'll take it off. Wow. You're painting a really fun picture there, Sandy. <laughs> Sorry. I know. I know. I'm really... I'm really fun at parties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, wow. So what, what can people do though? Cause, I mean, cause you're actively doing something about it, right? So what? Well, the biggest thing is to just do your research. I mean, don't believe, I mean, the, another one that it has no legal thing is all natural. Anybody can say anything is all natural, believe it or not. Yeah. And that just do your research. I mean, when a company comes on, you see this thing and they're making the claims, go on their website, go on their Facebook page. If it's somebody is saying we are, oh, we're eco, we're this, we're that. And then you go on their page or on their website and you see that 85% of their products are plastic and they've got this tiny little, well, you know, even though the product might be okay, their commitment isn't there. Yeah. You know, their commitment is profit and it's, you know, they don't, for the most part, give a shit. They just want to find something that will fit a little consumer niche. So, but even if you, if you are predicting a product then look at it, ask, read labels. If there is no certifications, if there's nothing that says TUV Austria, or I forget the other one, I don't think I can pronounce it. There's a few, a couple of global companies that pretty much everything has to be tested to get the certification. There are some local ones, but they usually work their testing through the global ones. So look and see if it actually says certified biodegradable or, you know, by this institution. If it just says, you know, has a, a word, but nothing to back it up, then dig deeper. Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of obstacles for, I mean, for both companies and, and consumers to get around here. So, and, and even for you, like, I can't imagine the journey that you must've been on with all the setbacks and just finding out the lies. You, were you ever jaded? Did you ever feel like, man, screw this. I can't, it's enough now. I'm, I'm tired of trying to teach people the right thing. And I have the world moments, but they never, they never last very long. They never last very long. I, when, when I first took over the business, I was actually selling cornstarch biodegradable drinking straws. And I did that for about four months. And then when I learned, you know, that that starch-based microplastic stuff, you know, I had to think about it and go, okay, but I've got all these customers who want it and they rely on it. And it's like, I just can't, you know, it's my value. I, I'm not going to sell this. I will try to find 
a replacement and say, look, I won't do this anymore, but here's this, this, and this, or like bamboo straws, stainless steel straws. I don't really carry them. And I don't because there are so many other people already doing it. I don't want to compete with other people, especially if it's a commodity business. I would rather just say, go there. You know, they've got some good product. I recommend it. But we want to kind of plug the gaps where there is no really good alternative or style of a bowl that people are needing because the only thing available is plastic. Yeah. That's where we try to step in. That, I mean, that sounds like an interesting setback when you had to drop your cornstarch line when you, when you find out. So what did you do? Like, what did you, how did you get yourself out of that and still continue? Cause that was a few years ago, right? For you. It was about a year and a half ago. Oh, a year and a half ago. So you're still, yeah. Yeah, so you've gone around that and now now you're you're still you've doubled down in the effort and you didn't quit. I'm curious as to what your process was or what happened that you did to get you out of that so that you're still doing this. Because I want to encourage other people to continue doing like despite setbacks and they're volunteering or they're doing the right thing. Uh, hot, like I'm curious as to what keeps people doing the right thing, even when it's tough, because it's it's tough. Doing the right thing is really difficult. And that's why nobody does, not nobody does it, but very little people do it. Or no, unfortunately, the big do. powers don't do it. Yeah. Well, there's no money to be made in it. We've got to shift our thinking from the whole consumerist. The only thing we need on this earth is enough. We don't need any more than enough. <laughs> I don't need eight pairs of shoes or 20 pairs of shoes or somebody I know has 423 pairs of shoes. You know, we've gone over over the top. I don't need a new phone every year. We just need to figure out that enough is enough. The only thing I collect really is books because I love them. And even those I, I recycle and make sure that they get passed on. But I mean, what keeps me going is basically, I love what I do. I love, I mean, I, I will, it's usually a message from a local Cambodian that just gives me the hope and the spark because you see that they get it and they just go, and then you, They'll send me a photograph of the fact that they took their own container to do a takeaway or a, you know, they bought their own flask for their coffee. And it's just like that brilliant. It's just like, yeah, that's what gives me the energy to keep going is because it's getting where we are having an impact. And the, the young Cambodians are so engaged. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I was kind of getting to the point where, I mean, part of the education about all this is not just it's bad. Duh, 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 duh. It's also bad for your health. And here's some alternatives, you know, here's ways you can do that. I think that's what's been missing from a lot of the messaging is here's three or four ways or three or four different products that you can use varying cost price points, depending on, you know, whether you're wanting to do a, a fancy thing or something that's just basic and get you by. Yeah. It sounds like a couple of things happened for you there. There was definitely, there was a small win. There was a win for sure. You know, someone doing the right thing, sending you a message and just, it just, sound like it breathed some life in you when that happens. Yeah, and that, but that happens over and over. I mean, it's not just once. I mean, I don't say it happens every day, but it happens often enough to keep me going. Nice. And the other thing that you said, which is interesting, was about impact there, because those small wins means that essentially you're, you're getting impact. And that means that what you're doing has, has meaning. And, and you've chosen this path to align with your values. And I'm just curious because I just know that some people might think that if you, oh, I just want to make sure I'm phrasing this right, but like you've chosen to go down that path. And so it's obvious that the things that you're, you're looking for, your bias, so to speak, is 
receiving this sort of information. Like you're looking for that kind of stuff, right? That it's working, that something I'm doing is actually having an impact, of course. I that's mean, the best answer to that question. Yes, it, it's working. And that's why you have that win, right? That, there we go. Because I was, I was always wondering, I'm like, yeah, but I mean, because being devil's advocate here, right? And, and people, because I work with and, and I meet people who just don't give a shit. They really don't. <laughs> and I don't know what it takes to convince people like that. Because a lot of these people are in positions of power. You know, they have a lot of influence. So they have money and they're the ones who are producing the plastic or the waste, for example. And they just don't care. They're just like, yeah, well, I can't afford it. So I'm going to keep selling, you know, serving plastic cups for dine-in customers, you know, in a, yeah. in a restaurant or cafe, which baffles me. And I'm like, but you were a Western educator. You know these things. And you're my age group. You're like my demographic. How are we? We are, we're friends. And how are we so different? And that has popped up before. And I never really had a good answer for them. I never I was able to say... Like, cause they're like, oh, well you're in it. So you're looking for it. So of course you're going to get that kind of information, like that kind of sign from God that you're on the right track. And I'm just thinking, uh, mm -hmm, okay, okay. I get you, but I don't know what to say. I don't know, but you just gave yeah, a I really mean, good answer. It's, it, there's a all, win, there's impact and it's a fight. All, yeah. Those, those people aren't looking for intrinsic rewards. They're looking for extrinsic rewards. They want the cash. They want to make money. They want to be profitable. And what I have learned in Southeast Asia, a lot of these places that are doing this and really don't give a shit, there is a money reason behind it, yeah? And I, I, I won't mention names, but I re somebody told me, they came up and they said, look, we were looking at buying a, a coffee chain maybe a year and a half ago. And you know, we, we went through all of the due diligence and we had the contract and we were actually almost ready to sign, but you know, somebody fell through and they didn't. But if part of that contract was that the coffee cup that this chain sold, the franchisees had to buy it for $1. And they could not, by contract, use anything besides that cup. So the, the franchisor was making huge, huge profits on this plastic. And I mean massive. Wow. I think I know the one. Can't say it on this channel. Right. <laughs> but, but wow, that, that's, that's a massive markup. Like, uh, <laughs> it's insane. Massive. It's a massive. dollar it's for a cup. That's the price of a of one of the, like a cheap coffee in Cambodia, like filter coffee already. Exactly. And that's exactly. just the price of a cup, not even the coffee or exactly. the liquid or the service that goes into so, it. So, I mean, they, yeah, they have to keep their prices high and their margin comes totally. I mean, that cup is a damned expensive cup. But, yeah. you know, and somebody else told me and I haven't, they sent me a link and I haven't followed it and done the research, but another big global chain, you know, that somebody was talking about. And they said, actually, they did the research and, the, you know, there's too much profit that comes out of the cups, out of the plastic cups for them really to change. After talking to many restaurants and F&B, when we talk about them stopping selling the plastic bottles of water, you know, the response I get from a lot of them is I can't. The margins on it are too good compared to everything else that I get a big part of my income. You know, that would be a big loss on my balance sheet. That sounds like the, it needs government interference to stop this. Well, like it just, because I, I mean, businesses aren't going to volunteer a 20, 30% drop in their margins on their product mix. If they're selling, if they're making that kind of margin on plastic bottles or plastic cups, 
or beverages yeah, that are sold exactly. that way. I mean, right yeah. now it's, it's structured. And the thing is to find creative ways to replace that lost income. Yeah. And I've done that exercises with a couple of smaller chains. And it's sort of like, okay, so you know, if you buy this reusable water bottle and you put it in all of your rooms and you do the water, you know, and then you sell it to your guests or you promote it to your guests, I say. You know, they could use it on the property free and they have to return it, but if they want to take it, then they buy it. But your margin on that is going to be pretty good. So you only need to sell X amount of whatever per month to replace that water that you have on your balance sheet right now. Wow, that's interesting. How does that work? So like... Because I'm, I'm thinking about this for, for one of our units because we're, we're currently selling plastic bottles of water and it's been a massive headache. I know, I know. I'm not the final decision maker Gee. at the end of the day, but like the, we're, we've been looking for a solution for this because we like, especially now, like we, we are struggling to survive. Like we're having to pay so much rent. We have very little customers coming in. We're basically at risk of potentially closing the business. I don't think we are like, I'm, we'll get through, but like, we don't want to do it. We know, we know that's not what we want to do, but we definitely like have spoken and there's in this group of us, like I'm definitely outvoted. So there's not much I can do, but other than look for a solution. And this, this sounds like a solution actually. So how, how does that work? So if I'm a kid, I turn up and I want to do a particular activity and I want to go, I don't know, trampolining, jumping, and I'm going to get some water. I would buy the reusable bottle, like put a deposit for it, for example. And that way, if I want to, and I drink the water, I would put it into a filter to refill. I don't know. Like, yeah, do, you, have do you continue charging for that beverage? Well, I mean, what you could do is provide reusable, whether it's a cup, whether it's a you know, real water bottle, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, somebody has to come get that cup. So if you charge 50 cents for a water bottle before, maybe you charge 25% or 25 cents for that cup. Yeah. But then they can drink as much water as they want. Or maybe you charge 50 cents, the same thing, but they can keep drinking as much as they want out of the refills for that. So you're still getting that income, but the bottled water, or if you're going to do your own filter, that is going to cost you a lot less. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there wouldn't go be back straight and across do some calculations. Yeah, okay. 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 But no. I like where this is going. I like where this is going. That's a, that's a solution. Okay. So yeah, look, my, my next, my next and probably last question here, almost last question here. How do we get more Sandy Cotons? Like how do we get more people like you doing the right thing? Well, I'm not going to breed. So sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah. I am not sure. I mean, I really, I, it is on my mission to find young Cambodians passionate about this and bring them in. I want them in my company. I want them leading my company. You know, I'm, I'm an old bird. I won't be around forever and I won't be able to walk up these anchor watt kind of stairs <laughs> forever. Yeah, those stairs are intense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're really, really yeah. small steps. And, and I'm not hard. like a big guy either. And I'm like, oh, I, <laughs> I'm struggling yeah. to climb up these stairs. So I'm really, okay. really actively hoping to find young Cambodians who are just as passionate about the environment and come in and kind of sweat equity it and you know, at a point I will walk away and I will go find a nice little wooden house and a rice paddy. And, you know, they can basically have the company. I don't have anybody here to pass it to. I need, I need an heir. Not that, yeah, I'm making any money right now, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And I think, I think there are people like that out there, but they all kind of, I mean, a lot of people, I've, I've noticed a lot of young people sort of, some of them dip their toes in 
and they'll do something for a little while and then they'll get busy with something else, but they keep coming back to it. Or there's some that are just out there full throttle going every day and, and doing wonderful things. But you know, they've kind of got their own projects. They're not really interested in, in what I'm doing because they want to make their nose success and that's great. And I would I support that and I would love to support them. And you know, maybe we can, I'm all about collaboration, baby. Everything is collaboration. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. And right. I'm just thinking about, cause there's, a, there's so many things that would, that we would benefit from, from, from getting, cause it's not just, you know, the, the plastic initiatives, but just making those hard decisions and following through with them. You know, like you were saying that when you realized that your product was not actually helping, you took it off the market right away and not many people would do that. And I'm just wondering how we can get to people like that. How do we teach integrity? There's such a strong liability or responsibility is the word to to the community that there's a promise that whatever you're selling is compostable. And when they buy it, there's no post-purchase dissonance, meaning they don't feel bad when they're buying dishwashing liquid and they see all the bottles that they're like, well, why do I suddenly have all the stuff that I didn't need I, I want all i wanted was dishwashing liquid and now i've got all this stuff and even though it tells me that it's it's green or there's a refillable packet but it still comes in some foil bag and i still have trash at yeah. the end of the day so how do you get companies or people to sort of follow through with this even though they say they do how do you how do you teach integrity that's essentially what it is isn't it how do you teach it i mean you can't i don't think you can really teach it. You can model it. You can show people. You can, uh, for example, when, when I have an issue in my office, I always will try to pull them aside uh, in a point where I am not emotional and I can speak about it, you know, inserting a joke into it and laugh about it but say, look, that, that wasn't good enough or that wasn't okay and, and here's why and here's, you know, how I would prefer it to be done and, you know, and it's always about just being as honest and open with everything that you possibly can. You know, I mean, we obviously don't want to tell the world that we're having an issue with this or that until we're sure that it's an issue when we know, you know, what we're going to do about it. But at the same hand, you know, we got to, if, if there's a product that we're not, I mean, for a while, I just stopped talking about the straws and the cutlery, the PLA stuff, mm. while I was kind of mulling it over and reading and reading and coming to my conclusions. And then I basically went to every customer at, who was buying them and said, look, you know, I've got so much stock. Um, if you want, you know, I'm going to stop selling it because I don't believe in it. Here's why. You know, I'm, I'm no judgment if you want to keep going, but you, at, you know, after December 1st, I won't do it anymore. So I gave them an option to kind of either, you know, some people had quite a strong reaction to that and said, well, but, you know, this, this, and it's like, well, you know, I'm not going to argue with it, but that's my own personal decision. I don't like it and I'm not going to sell it. So Wait, here's some time for you. angry because they felt cheated in a way or was it more that, they just wanted the product and it was an easy fix for them to tell their customers that they had like as a I think marketing combination. I think I've got a combination of both. Uh, one lady that I can think of, she, she didn't speak to me for about three weeks and I think she was just processing it. And I think it was pure disappointment on her, on her part. 
other people were pretty kind of direct about it. I mean, at one point I was told, well, you know, that's your opinion, but don't talk about it because I'm still going to use it and I don't want you messing up my, my vibe that I got going here. And I was like, well, uh, I'm sorry, I'll talk about what I want to talk about and I, I won't promise you that. Um, but, were they you know, afraid when I, that you would put it out in public and say, hey, these, these products are actually not good and all the brands that were carrying them, these corn yeah, starch I mean, straws, I think, I think they were? Yeah, I think, we, yeah, I think you just have to be uh, mindful of what I say and how it's going to affect other people too. I mean, if I went out and said corn straw, you know, corn starch straws suck, you know, it's a lie, it's a whatever. Anybody who was using them, anybody who had been using them would end up with egg on their face. So I had to kind of do it gently and just say, I, I've made this decision for myself. You, know, you, you do you and you decide for yourself. Here's some information if you want to read it. You know, but no judgment. Yeah. That, I, that, I've made now my... I was going to say that sounds very healthy though because... You, you don't exactly influence. You can't control your customers at the end of the day. They're going to do what they're going to no. do. But you came to terms with it yourself. And did, did you get some conversion in the sense? Were some of your clients able to – did some of them come back? Did they appreciate your integrity? What, what happened there? I mean, I wouldn't say a lot. I probably did lose a couple customers. But, again, it, that's okay. I mean, they, they made the decision and, and they went to other products. I mean, at the point when I dropped the cornstarch straws, I didn't have something else. I didn't know what was better. You know, it took me a few months, probably eight months, to find the, the, the wheat straws, the noodle straws. So, you know, I, again, you know, well, where am I going to buy them from? I'm going, well, you know, it's not my problem. I... You know, you can use paper, you can use bamboo, you can use stainless steel, and there's lots of people out there selling it. But I, you know, I, I can't, I can't help you after December first. And that was just kind of where I drew the lot, the the line in the sand for myself. Yeah. What What would you recommend to people if they had to go through what you went through for for that that process when you realize that your your product wasn't fulfilling? what it said it was going to do and they had to make like that a, decision again it's with with all the the journey i've been through i've kind of learned to trust my gut feeling and my intuition and when i'm conflicted about something usually if i just step back and kind of consciously not think about it let my subconscious take over the answer pops up and I'll, I'll walk out of that after a day or three days or maybe even a week, knowing what my answer is without having actually come to a conclusion because that's what feels right for me. And, you know, and then you have to think about how, how your decision is going to affect the people in your company, your customers, uh, public perception. I mean, when people hear that PLA and bioplastic is a scam <laughs> you know a lot of people get very uh, frustrated and say but 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 you know i thought this was good and i thought i was doing good and i'm just not going to try anymore so you have to kind of 
try to be very measured and try to be very gentle with with the things that you do say if it's if the message is is isn't a really positive one right well i respect you for what you did i i think it's so much harder to do the right thing than than what people realize and and in your industry where in that situation anyway it directly affected your your bottom line but would you say that 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 instance helped you like did it help develop or did it help strengthen some of the relationships that you had with your more loyal customers yeah i mean i think it did the people who were really open and wanting to find you know the best possible product they yeah they were on board they were kind of going oh yeah, I didn't realize this. Thank you for telling me. You know, I'll, I'll look for something else. And so, I mean, it's, I, I probably got more of that than I got the negative. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Man, that is awesome. That is actually really nice to hear. And on that note, what, what could people do though in that situation? Because what could the public have done? Like, but they didn't know. Did you put it on your Facebook page? I didn't say why. I, I basically just said, you know, as of, I'm pretty sure I put it on my Facebook page. I don't remember for sure. I'm old. Um, but I recall the, the line of, of thinking, reasoning, my messaging was kind of like, you know, as of December 1st, I'm going to stop. Um, I have come to the conclusion that it's not the, the product doesn't fulfill what, uh, what it says it does. And again here's some links to some information if you want to follow it and read it and here's you know here's what changed my mind because i read these things and i provided links and like i say if they felt like going there and reading about it they could if they didn't want to they didn't have to right. and it was that that implies a lot of maturity on the side of the the public there but i guess that you're you're already you have your own community of people that that choose to purchase from these places and and they support what you do because i see yeah. on your on your page you have quite a quite a good following well yeah but i mean at the, at the time when that started i'd only been in this for maybe six months so i wasn't too sure how that would go over but in the end it was fine right i mean okay so Back to, I mean, to that previous question, I mean, you were saying that you, you got a model like for, for people to, to encourage other people to, to act with integrity, let's say, you know, in the corporate realm, whether it's internal or among a community of businesses, it's really just showing them. And it sounds like the feedback that you had from your customers was, was overall very positive and you're still around and, and even during a crisis, your customers are there for you, which is great to hear. So what would you say to someone who like, like I'm, I, it must've been hard for you emotionally. Like I, I would, what was it actually hard for you emotionally? And if, and if it was, what did you do? And if it wasn't, I'm curious what went through your head. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it was, it, you know, it's like, okay, but I've got these customers who depend on it, who rely on it, who like it, who believe this. Now I'm going to go burst their bubble. I'm going to possibly lose some customers. I'm going to lose the income from it for sure. And I just had to kind of, like I said, I just sat with it and kind of with it. Okay. 
what do I care about? What, because throughout all of this, if you're going, if you're going to create a community, you have to be authentic. And if I came out of that trying to BS my way and kind of say, oh, actually, you know, yeah, I have it. You can buy it. I'm not going to promote it. Or, you know, that's inauthentic. That wouldn't have felt right. If I came out in any other way than saying just, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And being very honest and open about it, then I just, I don't, I think people feel when you're trying to get away with something, when you're trying to pull something over their eyes. And that's something I never, ever want with my customers. Right. Well, that sounds great. And what, what other projects are you working on at the moment? Because it's not just this that you're doing all the stuff mm. for the community. Oh, goodness. Um, okay. Uh, the things that are active at the moment is Coco List, app, And that is a collaboration with a, a programmer who actually sits in Saigon who started this site. When I saw it, I thought it was beautiful. It was lovely. And I contacted him and said, can I do this in Cambodia? Can I latch onto what you're doing? Can I maybe, you know, buy the rights to do it in Cambodia? And he was, he was absolutely fabulous. He, he was doing it just out of the goodness of his heart. Um, and he said, yeah, you manage the data. You, you can, you know, I'll just, I'll do the work. I'll get it ready for you. You manage the data, but it's a database of green businesses. In So now it's in Cambodia and Vietnam. It's in English, Vietnamese, and Khmer. <coughs> right now it's mainly uh, bars, restaurants, and hotels. Um, we're looking to do some expansions to get a little bit further into more green actions that hotels can do. We would like the companies and we would like to add just generally environmentally friendly country uh, companies like compost city they're doing a great job and they're helping divert waste and all of this we would like to make it a business directory for every sector but we have to think about how to how to work that out but right now it, it's mainly f and b and hotels but it's a directory very easy to use google maps links to facebook's but it tells you exactly what every outlet does within their premises. If they have reduced or plastic free delivery, if they offer, uh, you know, no plastic bottles, no plastic for sit down customers, uh, food waste program, all of that kind of thing. So you can kind of look at it and really see how committed a place is. But the idea is to drive customers to go to eco-friendly businesses. To, to spend their dollar with the green vote by supporting these places that make these efforts. Is that a really small community though? Because I think as a marketer, like I always tell my clients that they, they would need to sell, like to facilitate the need of the customer. So they're going to a restaurant, they're going to eat the food. They're not going there to sit from a particular straw. So does it work though? Because in my, in my experience, it's a, it's a fairly small, smaller community. And um, yeah, sorry, but yeah, what, what well, do you no, right, think? Well, I mean, right now what we're working on is the market 
end of it. We're trying to get a tour companies to pick it up, link it, MOE, that kind of thing. But I mean, it goes along with the overall message of, you know, we all have a responsibility to make choices to support places that support your values. And here's a tool to help you do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, honestly, I, I don't look at the back. So I can't tell you how many clicks there are through all of those questions. But the I'm idea so is sorry. to get do, it more Do you more mind mainstream. saying that again? I have to blank that out because you're, you're, the internet turned you into a robot. So I, I just need you to say that last sentence again. Actually know what the web traffic is. You're freaking out, dude. Your head just went like really fast back and forth. <laughs> I'm not moving. I'm not, I swear I'm not moving my head. <laughs> we're going to cut this part out. <laughs> yes, yes, we're going to cut this out. Um, from where? From where? What was the last sentence? Yeah, just the part of, I mean, I don't know because you turned into a robot, but <laughs> I, my, my question was about Does it work? the marketing aspect, like the, the, um, cause as you were speaking, I was thinking that people were like, it's, it's a fairly small niche, you know, and, and you're saying that you wanted businesses to, to, to jump on, on board to encourage those, to give them an option to see, Hey, this is where, where you can go. I, I, I was that what you were saying? I'm saying that we want the site linked both to tourists and to locals. I mean, obviously there's no tourism right now, so we've got a lot of time to play and, and work on that. But when tourists come back, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on eco-travel and, and sustainability. And the trends for that kind of thing are going up. So if we make this site available and if we can push some of these tourists into the venues that they don't have to get a plastic water bottle. They don't have to, they don't, you know, aren't automatically given a straw and all of those kind of things. We're hoping, like I say, if, if other people see the business go up to places because they're making green efforts, then it'll, more of the places will follow and it'll become more of a norm. Right. I get it. And I, and I think that there are people who, are pissed enough about the environment to uh, what's happening in the environment to go out and support these businesses. And, and I don't think that there is a directory in Cambodia. There is the go green Facebook page, but that's not a directory. That's just somewhere for people no. to vent their frustrations and put pictures of rubbish dumps which are in front <laughs> of schools and, and hate on it and post pictures of brands and shame them. Unfortunately, I, I, I I'm curious as to whether that'll work. I, I, but a lot of these big brands just don't, care you know they you got to hurt them where it hurts and that's money and yeah again I, I that that will only come when we when we can help create an ecosystem where people can make their choices easily they know where to go i mean a lot of times right now even me if i'm in an area of town that i don't know how do i know where to go because I'm not going to take a plastic cup and I don't want a straw and I'm not going to be forced to buy a plastic bottle of water. Yeah. 
Anyway, I think it's a, it's, it's it's needed. I I don't think anybody else has that. So it's a very unique thing. I think I definitely will be sharing it with with my yeah. my network of volunteers. What else are you working on at the moment? Definitely. So that's uh, the one uh, really exciting one is I don't know if you heard the documentary called The Story of Plastic. Story is it's that a new the documentary? Same guys from Story of Stuff. Yeah. Okay. That, that. Yeah, I know the one. That's that's that went pretty big. Yeah. Story of stuff. Yeah, it's about a ninety-minute doc. Yeah, story of stuff was phenomenal, and I love what they do. And I would encourage everybody who cares to go to their website and look at their video section because they have a lot of shorts that are really interesting as well, mm. like the story of bottled water, the story of microbeads, the story of they've got a bunch of resources yeah some of that stuff was so depressing to watch at just how the world has gotten to where it is and it's the products that we're using and and people just don't know and all the stuff is being produced so quickly that i think that if people really just knew how these things were affecting the environment or what was even going in their own bodies or the bodies of their children and and the environment and stuff they, they probably wouldn't use it well, that's exactly why that uh, I contacted the producer of the story of plastic. They have given me permission to dub this into Khmer language. Um, so it's, we've got the translation done. It's in the studio and we're hoping we can release it September, October time. And what we are hoping to achieve is some open air, socially distanced screenings in Phnom Penh and Siem Reap, mm-hmm. hopefully with some support from the ministry. I don't know if they're going to be doing environmental events around Chumban or Water Festival again this year. But then at the end of it, we hope to basically uh, make it available to everybody in Cambodia as a streaming uh, mechanism. That is so, so anybody, encouraging. Yeah. Anybody in any corner of the country will be able to watch it on their smartphone if they want to. You know, I think the trick is is to get people who have watched it to tell at least one other person or two other people. And yep. and in a way that isn't like bashing them cuz cuz I would argue that this is and from what I see one of the reasons why there's so much polarism and bipolarism in in bipolarism yeah let's say let's put it as i need a coffee but like so much discord in this because people people when they talk about it they feel like they're being lectured at a lot and and it's created this whole oh my god climate change is fake and versus the people like no it's not and and it's created such a strong divide and i think people don't use an empathetic enough approach to to speak to the people who need to hear it purely informational and it's you know, there's a lot of organizations, there's a lot of things happening in this space in Cambodia. Uh, but I think having an international quality uh, documentary about the topic, which, by the way, they, they talk a lot about the trash that's being shipped to Asia. They speak to Southeast Asians, not in Cambodia, unfortunately, but... I think they talk to people in Malaysia, India, Philippines, um, and you know what organizations there are doing or what effects it has on their 
environments. So it's not purely, you know, this is what happens in America, like a lot of them are. So I think it's relatable. And if we can make it informational and, and easy enough and accessible enough, hopefully it will help with the, the motivation to, to cut down on plastic. Yeah, I hope so. Well, I, my, my team had done some research with, with some, I think just under 400 local Cambodians like a year ago, a couple of years ago now, asking provincial Cambodians what, if they remembered uh, any littering, anti-littering or recycling campaigns, and, and most of them didn't. You know, so either either the campaigns that were being released were ineffective or it just wasn't enough or people like that all the different campaigns that are running out at the moment aren't cohesive, like they're not doing it together. Right. And, right. and I think and that, that's, that's, that's where I'm really hoping to do this is, you know, we can, can we can release it in controlled environments to volunteer nation, hopefully to STEM clubs. Um, that kind of thing and hopefully get the buzz going sort of that way and it hopefully will grow organically from there yeah man that's awesome i love that you're doing what you're doing but what what motivates you to do this I, and i know that it's because you hate seeing the, the environment the way it is and all that but you you keep going like you're not it's not that you're not stopping it's just that you're like your tank seems to be never empty for for these sort of things and yeah i'm sure you're gonna get haters people who like me will be like oh that's not gonna work because this this and that and and yeah you, yeah <laughs> all i can do is what i can do and what i believe in and i mean i went head first into this and i i basically had the translation done and i sent it to the studio without having you know in the, the costs i didn't have covered and i thought I just kind of, I, I, I wouldn't say it was a very good business decision, but I believed in it and I just, had, I just had to, I just trusted the universe was going to, I would find somebody who could help me sponsor it. And, you know, I had a plan A and a plan B. Um, someone luckily, did. Yes, yeah. yes, yesterday. Just yesterday. Um, I wonder if all the stories, like it, with the rest of the podcast series later, like if, if, if I'm going to hear that because if there is a correlation between oh, fuck it, I just went with my heart and I did it and it came through and every story is like that, then, then it's encouraging, you know, we'll be able to convince <laughs> everybody just, just jump in, just jump in the deep end and do it. You should totally just follow your gut because we yeah, do need so it. We need people to do more of this. And I think eventually people are going to be like, Oh yeah, it's just standard to sponsor stuff like this. We should all be doing it. Everybody does it. You know? Well, we all know that I'm, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore and I don't have time to wait around you know, until everything gets fitted and everything is sure. You know, I, you know, forget it. It's, it's, you know, I believe in it. And if the very worst case scenario is I get absolutely nobody who will get behind it and I'll have to come out of pocket. That is the absolute worst scenario. Yeah. Right. So if someone wants to do what you do, what would you say to them? Like what, what's the, probably like the best advice that you give somebody who wants to do these sort of things that you're doing in their community? Well, first of all, I mean, to me, the biggest thing about all of this stuff is collaboration. I, I see so much, like you said, with the, the messaging and all of this. I mean, 
the ministry environment is, has done a lot. They, they, I see a lot of videos. I see a lot of messaging. I don't know that it's getting to the public. I presume it does because I don't watch Cambodian TV. I don't know how much is going out on the TV. I don't know how much is going out on Facebook. You're missing out, man. Cambodian TV is the <laughs> best TV you're going to get anywhere. It's just quality entertainment, quality programming. Sorry, continue. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, you know, look at, look at people who, who can support you in it. And I've had cheerleaders, broke cheerleaders who come and sponsor me, but people saying, yeah, that's great. You know, and I, I can refer you to this person. I can refer you to that person. One of those references came through and yeah. Hein, Heinrich Balls Stiftung. I don't even know how to pronounce that last one. Stiftung. They came up and said, we will do the whole thing. But after I looked at their website, it was like, it was a perfect fit. What do they do? They, Oh my God. They have, a bunch of publications in a bunch of different languages, but the they came out at the end of last year with a, I printed it out, I would tell you, a, how many pages? Uh, about a 50 page document that's called Plastic Atlas. And it's got maybe 20, 25 different articles on different topics relating to plastics. With recent research, I, when I saw that, I was just like, yes, I love these people and this is my Bible and they're who I'm going to contact. And it, you know, it just gelled. Man, that's karma for you. I, I just feel like that's, that's awesome. That's so encouraging. I really hope that encourages other people to do the right thing and just know that like there is such a thing as karma. I believe in it. I mean, the thing is, if people believe that you are doing it, you know, because you believe in it, because it's something that you're passionate about, that's kind of contagious. And, and all kinds of people will jump in to help in what might seem a very small way, but in the end could be something like this led to something fabulous. Is it resolve? Is that what it is? Because you have a lot of that. Like I, I follow you and what you do because like it's it's like you're a tra and I'm just like the wind the leaf that's just following behind your Oh no, that's not your... true, G. That's not true. You've got you you've got your own little whirlwind going. <laughs> Man, but I, I wonder because you, you see some people who are out there and they're they're trying, they're like, we gotta do this, but some people just don't pay them any attention. And then you have others who speak with conviction. You know what I mean? And, and I wonder if it's because you just have this persistent resolve that's like, no, nah, I'm going to get this shit done. You know, and people exactly. are like, yeah, like I can follow that. She's going to get it done. I think, I think it's actually going to happen. That's your leadership. I'm going to get it done. That, I'm going to do it. And come hell or high water, I will find a way. And I have, for whatever reason, that confidence that I will find a way. That tenacity. I think, I wonder if that's what it is. Maybe it's stupidity. <laughs> people say that though don't they 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 like even people like elon musk who just say look i like i don't know i wouldn't recommend being me to anybody you know because they, they talk about how difficult and hard it is but you know they're solving problems they're solving problems in the community or in his case with the world um I mean, like or hate security you know 
if your thing is about safety and security, it's probably not the space for you. But I don't know if it's about safety. Like, I don't think that that's on the other side of the spectrum. I think that you don't think so. That tenacity and that because I think the opposite side of that spectrum is not doing it. It's 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 feeling like it's like just living in everyday life. But I don't like. Okay, sure. You it might mean it might mean you have security and stability if you get a salary yeah. job, but it's not necessarily because during COVID, people got laid off, and and that's clearly not stable whereas a freelancer who you would say yeah they're they're in, in a less stable position but they have multiple sources of income is actually in a much more stable you know position because they've got diversified income right and and in my case the smart the smart safe thing to do would have been to start pitching it and trying to line up the sponsors and the people who would support it before i put one foot in the water Mm. And the, but that wouldn't have i see what you mean i see what you mean now yeah because 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 even all that advice comes down to you just gotta you just gotta start you just gotta do it because even even if these people don't like you know because right now you're trying to get sponsorship during COVID 19 when all, everyone's yeah, exactly. pockets are dry or they're <laughs> like yeah we're not gonna sponsor anything at the moment because we can't even do an event anyway so why why would we spend money when we need to be keeping it so you had such a hard like uphill super steep uphill battle to get what you needed and you got there in the end you know but i don't want to discourage people from this i i think that it anyway you are a living case proof that that it's possible you know so okay so the the third thing i'm doing is helping a uh working with a a company who i'm not sure if we want to mention writing an online training course about waste management in Phnom Penh and Cambodia in general. Um, right. Just for your information, I'm up to like slide 60 without having even started the what can you do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just learning about plastic. But I think there's so much to learn because there's all this. It's not just about plastic. It's about, I mean, it, a lot, I, I, when I try to highlight an industry or when I try to highlight a thing, it, it's, it's plastic is the one I go for. It's because it's the one I know, but it's not just that. It's like, how did Cambodia get here? I mean, how, that's the first part. And then let's talk about the chain of responsibility. And, you know, here's, we have manufacturers, we have distributors, retailers, we have consumers, we have waste management company, and we have, municipal and every one of those places has responsibility so let's yeah. stop shaming the consumer and saying it's your fault you know i that's part of it is saying it, it's everybody's responsibility it's not just you and me to buy something in a reusable jar it's it's not just the government and it's not just the customer exactly yeah everybody it's, in that value chain has a has a role Exactly. So, yeah, that's where I'm going with it. So it's an education project then? Yes. Is that right? Yeah, and it's just hopefully to bring more awareness about the entire issue. I mean, not just, you know, be green, recycle. I, that drives me insane. I, I have to ask because these, these education things, 
assumes that people want to spend the time to to watch through the videos or to do a quiz or to do whatever it is that they have. Mm -hmm. So how how do you get the right people to to do that content then? Well, we're going to start with green organizations. The low hanging fruit. Already, yeah, the low hanging fruit. The people uh -huh. who already um, have the motivation, the intrinsic motivation. Um, who maybe ah, so so this is not about trying to convince everybody this is this is just educating people who have like kind of on the fence or know a little bit about it and just giving them a proper big picture or basically view. a free resource um you can go through the modules you can just do the ones that interest you if you like but it's it'll just be a resource for people to to kind of get information but again hopefully with a cambodian with more Cambodian content than what is traditionally available on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, and there's very little content in Cambodian. There's tons of stuff in English and all the top languages, but 16 exactly. million people speak Khmer and they don't all speak it well either. So <laughs> I'd imagine this is visual and, and fairly easy to understand. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping to get. Right now I'm just writing and there's way too much text, but we'll get there. Well, I wish you the best of luck with that. I think we need more Sandy Cotons in the world. How can we get more people like you? Not you, because we can't replace you, but I'm just saying, like, how can we get more people like you? You can cut it off my belly and put it in a Petri dish and see if it grows. <laughs> an interesting experiment. Uh, what, what about people that could be like you, <laughs> that are still young, malleable <laughs> humans? Do, are we... <laughs> putting a piece of your stomach on their face or something and then they just turn into you no uh, i mean like how, how what what could what could i do what could i say to people like or the people that are listening to this and if they're like they're on the fence for doing something in the community in the realm that you are for the environment and stuff what's a good start good start is just practicing your own changing your own personal habits you don't need to preach anybody you don't need to talk about it you just need to do it and again modeled behavior is the best possible thing if if your friend i mean i just read a study that somebody posted to the go green site and it was about market behavior for eco-conscious consumers and it was really kind of interesting some of the insights they came up with one thing said that um uh, i think it was in canada there was a grass cycle initiative where they were trying to get people to stop putting their grass clippings into the trash. They said, just leave them and use it as compost. You know, it, it enriches the soil. There's no reason to put that stuff in a landfill. And I didn't know that. Hold on. Are you saying that I could just mow the lawn and leave it there? Yep. What? That's a, absolutely dude. You don't need to pull it up. I did not know that. Okay. It's, Sorry. That, compost. Put that in it's your compost. course. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to chuck it because everybody else does it. Like the, your lawnmower comes with that box and then it just gets chucked in. And that and is exactly the point they made, that they had very little uptake until they started basically a campaign that said, your neighbors are doing this or your neighbors are doing, keeping X amount of crap out of the landfill. And they had like a 30% boost in uptake just because people thought other people were doing it and they wanted to be part of the 
cool kid or well, whatever I, you want to say. I don't know about being cool kid. I just thought that that's how you do it because <laughs> I didn't know any better. That's so interesting. Okay. And I, I, I saw that. I didn't read the article. But that's the one that's on the Harvard Business Review site, right? HBR.org? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll see if I can find it and link it in the description somewhere later. Yes. Okay. Man, that's, that's insane. Okay. Well, look, um, I, I want to thank you for your time. And, and before, before we go, like, how can people reach you? If they have questions and if they're interested in the course or any of those things like the cocoa list and stuff, like where can they find that kind of information? Our Facebook is only one planet Cambodia. Only one planet um, Cambodia. Okay. I'll put that in the description mm -hmm. later. Yeah. Um, the messaging app there. Uh, our website is only one planet kh.com. You could message me there. Uh, there's an email there that will reach me. My phone number is on both the website and the Facebook page. Uh, WhatsApp is that same phone number, WhatsApp, Telegram. And hey. I'm happy to answer questions. I spend a certain amount of my time every day, it seems, just answering people's questions about different things. Well, that's, that's the thing, Sandy. You're an expert now. People come to you because you do your, yeah. uh, what's it called? Yeah, due diligence. <laughs> Homework, dude. Homework. Homework. I don't know why it was suddenly not cool to do homework in school. We should, we should totally turn that around. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you so much for your time, Sandy. And I wish you a wonderful evening. Thank you, Jake.